Welcome to Brother to Brother. I'm Clay Stevenson. I'm Brian Stevenson. And happy weekend. This is two weeks in a row, baby. It's awesome. Because we don't have anything else going on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about going out of town today, but um, just to, like to take a trip up to the mountains since our kids are on spring break. But I was like, no, we're doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I get a priority straight. <laughs> Everything else stopped. What what have y'all been up to? Uh, a lot of work actually. Work has been. I was talking to um, Mark, my brother Mark, and he works like fifty hours a week pretty regularly. But I'm usually don't quite get to forty. You know, and I know your schedule's up and down depending on what's going on at school. <clears throat> but now had some work they've had to do over the weekend logging in and checking things so been working a little more than usual cleaning up this house prepping for trying to sell it for too much longer what's your timeline looking like that's that's to me the hardest part is getting the house ready getting a house ready to sell yeah i i don't know because we don't know if we're going to try to keep you know take our time moving into the new place do a lot of work prep everything over there first and then move in. I was complaining about that the other day. And uh, we realized that, you know, we're not going to sh- get people shedding too many tears over the fact that we don't know what to do with our two houses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Angie is a pretty consistent phrase that she says, um, you know, well, she'll complain about something and then she'll say, and my white privilege or and my privilege or, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole first world problem thing. But and I'll respond and I'll say, "Hey, it's it's honestly it's relative, you know. Uh, yeah. There there's plenty of people out there in much better situations than we're in. Um, but then vice versa, we're in America, we're in the what is the top percent or whatever, you know, in of the world of the world, yeah. right? Don't we just tend to find things to stress out over though? Because everything's like we don't have to worry most of us in america about where our food's going to come from where we gotta just find stress in other places well you know that if you're living in the u.s just being in the u.s you're quote unquote better off than you know a large swath of the population on this planet you usually have uh, running water and electricity right exactly california or texas (laughs) yeah (laughs) I heard that uh, Texas has its own power grid. There's like one for yeah, the East Coast, one for the West Coast. Yeah, and one for, and Texas. One for Texas. Yeah, Because they're still planning to secede at some point. Right. <laughs> it's a weird place to stake your independence. You know? Right. <laughs> this thing that's like super important for life and for our existence, you know, being able to have power nowadays. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that ourselves. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when I think about potential calamities that can befall us, you know, the pandemic had me thinking more again, like I mentioned last time, I don't really, I've never been a conspiracy theorist, but once the coronavirus hit, it got me thinking more along those lines because I would have never have guessed that that would have happened. So, so that got me thinking about, okay, do we need to do any kind of prepping is prepping? Does it make sense? You know, and then what are you prepping for? Are you prepping to go without toilet paper for a couple of weeks? Are you prepping for, you know, some some sort of nuclear holocaust? <laughs> you, know, right. like, you guys are already ready for the toilet paper shortage. Yeah, exactly, man. Got to get on that bidet bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> so if we if we redo one of our bathrooms, should we? Do you got to go for it, man. It needs to be an option. Hey, I'm I'm just, I'm saying that once we had the bidet installed, I realized how gross Americans are (laughs) going back to the old school way is it seems gross now. Right. It changes your whole mindset. So you have every bathroom outfitted with the. No. (laughs) So just, just the uh, master bath. Uh, but the, the kids all fighting over that one. They all want to go in there. Um, 
They're like 50, 50, you know, they're yeah. like, they're, they're, they're gross. You know, kids are gross. They don't care. Kids are gross anyway. You yeah. know, they don't even use toilet paper half the time. Well, why I'm <laughs> Mama wash it. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to put one in the regular downstairs bathroom that, you know, friends and family use just because it is still kind of an odd cool contraption to see attached to your toilet i mean you're not (laughs) you're not expecting it and you go (laughs) what does this do (laughs) so wait when you flush does it just automatically no it's a separate control on the on the one that we have yeah so you wouldn't be in for like a surprise well yeah unless you were just you know curious right you're like oh hey (laughs) but it was funny because the first time we you were kind of messing around with it when we installed it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the kids the kids are really intrigued so i had rain jump up there <laughs> and i was like give it a spin and he's like nervous and like ah! and then i just blasted that thing full blast and it shot him right off the toilet <laughs> it's all like beaming him in the back of the head <laughs> so you could set it <laughs> yeah it was like it's like the the supersonic fifth gear that you can put it in. <laughs> Basically, got a shower yeah. from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes our kids will fight over uh, our bathrooms too, because in our bathroom we got the squatty potty. Yeah, see that talking about weirdness in the bathroom. That thing is, <laughs> that's that's next level weird right there. My niece took one to college for, you know, for do- her dorm room because she loved it so much. Uh huh. Everybody always they share it. Everybody loves it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, maybe we should so check that out. That's like yeah, well, that takes you back combination to combination of the two. Man, you'd be in good shape. Oh, you'd be set. Get a so- colon cleanse while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else has been going on with y'all? Uh, so the, well, one thing I want to talk about, we mentioned last week, uh, it's kind of like a running theme, how sometimes we are turning into our, our dad. Like we see yeah. man, things that we're doing. And then I was thinking about how far technology has come and like how our grandparents never even got on the internet. Yeah. And now we have cell phones and we know where our kids are all the time. And <clears throat> our kids are pretty good. Like when they leave, to, they're driving now. So when they leave to go somewhere, when they get there, they'll text and say, hey, I'm here. And when they're leaving, hey, I'm heading home. Or We pretty much always know where they are and what they're doing. Right. And when we were kids, that wasn't the case. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? I'd hop on my bicycle and uh, in elementary school or middle school, and I'd just ha- tell mom, hey, I'm heading out, and just go ride bikes around the neighborhood. Yeah. And she had, It's crazy now to think about that, that she had no idea where I was what I was doing exactly when I'd be back and it was okay back then. And now it's like, we have to know every second. So isn't it the case that it's, there's pros and cons to that, to the fact that we have so much access to our kids and where they are. I feel like it is safer in a lot of ways. Like we're not going to have the same type of stranger danger as right. you and I faced when we were kids. Angie tells a story that when she was seven years old, she was riding her bike up to the 7-Eleven and she lived in a, you know, lower middle class, uh, you know, more blue collar area. Right. And a guy stops his car, rolls his window down and says, hey, little girl, can, can you help me find my puppy? The ah, stereotypical line that... Right. It's candy or puppy or cat or whatever. And she said she got just started pedaling her little legs as hard as she could away from this guy because her mom had read a book with her. uh, And that exact scenario happened in this. It was like, I think, called Stranger Danger in that book. And that scenario happened. And so she knew what to do. But if that's happening today and our kids have a cell phone, with them i mean they're like hey i'm calling 911 or i'm videotaping you right now or, or you know videotaping listen to that that sounds old school uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what tape are you using <laughs> what digital tape are you speaking of <laughs> uh, it's the i think the bad the only thing that could be bad is about it is if the kids lose 
some sense of independence. hundred percent. Like if, if we're just kind of using it to check up on them, make sure they're okay, that, that should be fine. But if it's, um, if they feel like they can't, well, I don't know. Well, no, I think you're right because (laughs) here's, we're, we're almost back to that discussion about memory. If we have our phone in front of us all the time to check, fact check, or, or, you know, answer any questions that we have or help us to remember facts and figures that, that we've come across, then we're never exercising that, that memory muscle that is helpful to have and healthy to have. The same difference is if you're always dependent uh, as a child on this phone to get you out of situations or to answer questions when you're faced with decisions, then you're not exercising this independence that is helpful for you to have as you get older. Or if you always have your parents at your beck and call to answer that question or to help you out. Yeah. Ava sent me a picture of in her car, there was a weird light on the dash and it looked like the car was like facing downward with like some skid marks underneath it. Her first reaction was to reach out to somebody on the cell phone and, you know, maybe it would be good if she actually knew that there was a book in her car that explained what all the lights were, or, you know, whatever it was. I told her it looked like she was driving off a cliff. She should probably be careful. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, thanks. <laughs> well, I, I, I think to your point that um, it goes to this question of nerfing or this, this concept of nerfing our society where mm. we're afraid to offend people. We're afraid for things to be a little dangerous uh, we're afraid for our kids to run across challenges that might make them upset. Right. We're or trying they might to we're, get hurt. Right. We're a little overprotective. Right. I was talking to a friend the other day who's my age and has kids that are my age and are my kids' ages. And he was talking about how when we were kids, um, we didn't think about bullying in the same way that kids think about it now. Bullying right. wasn't the buzzword that it is now, we just dealt with it. I mean, we got bullied and and we dealt with it. And sometimes it, bullies. Yeah, right. It was a known thing. It was a known thing. And yeah, you just dealt with it. And sometimes it hurt. And you know, it hurt probably most of the time, but you learn to cope and roll with it and, you know, make adjustments as you needed to make adjustments. So there's definitely a certain amount of toughness that I feel like we as a society have lost over time. Again, back when we think of old man, we're sounding like old man. Dude, but it's true. So so here was this here's an interesting story. I have a friend who's a doctor in town and we were talking about we had this very conversation and he was talking about you know some of the younger generation that come in and how wimpy they are, right? They get a shot or, you know, they're in pain and it's like the end of the world and they're begging him for all, all sorts of medication. And he's, you know, of course, trying to be conservative and like, I don't want to overdo it with these folks. They don't need Oxycontin, you know? Right. But he's, he, and he said the, the, the opposite was true when he had this World War II vet come in. This guy is like in his mid 80s. And he was complaining that his arm hurt. He was out working in the yard and he said he hurt his arm. And and so my doctor friend, uh, you know, started looking at it, examining it. And he said I, he started twisting it a little just to see if it, you know, trying to figure out where it hurts on the on yeah. this guy's arm. So he said, I started twisting his arm a little bit and the guy's telling him, no, that doesn't, that doesn't hurt too bad. doesn't hurt too bad. And he said, man, I really started yanking on that thing and just twisting it all over the place until finally the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I kind of feel a little pain there. And so finally the doctor decided, I think it's time for you to go get an x-ray because I really can't tell exactly what's going on. So he said, I get the x-ray back and it's the worst break I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so he said, I've been twisting that guy's arm so much. And he's like, I know it was killing him when I did that. After I saw the x-ray, I couldn't right. believe this guy's toughness. You know? It's like the just, antithesis. To say anything. <laughs> Both, you know? Both. Yeah. It was like he probably was just grin and bear it. And he was, you know, had that mentality of like, hey, I'm tough, uh, you know. 
I think my kids are definitely softer than, than, than I was or than we were. Yeah. I remember uh, dealing with bullies and getting uh, in elementary school out just playing with a bunch of kids. And this one kid was a, was a bully. He was picking on people. And I said something to him that made him mad. And so he's like, man, you can't talk to me that way. And he just rears back and punches me in the stomach. Like oh. a sword. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember sort of, you know, like, it just happened. And then I just, I kind of just stood there and he was, he said something like, oh, you're not going to cry. And uh, I don't know. And then like, he never bothered me. And he like respected me. <laughs> the classic trope of you stood up to the bully. Stood up to the bully. Like, he couldn't intimidate me. <laughs> you might've got a gut punch, like bruised your kidney or whatever, but shoot, that dude never messed with you again. Yep. Yep, his name was Virgil. <laughs> yeah, I hate that name. Ever <laughs> Why is it? Why can you remember names? Because I can remember names like that too. Like I remember in PE in sixth or seventh grade, Orlando, and Orlando was picking on a kid who was smaller than me, and we were out playing soccer, and my friend, this little kid, slide tackled him in PE, knocked Orlando over. Orlando yeah. got up pushed my friend to the ground my friend like fell in the mud and for mm. whatever reason i thought I, I i didn't even think i just impulsively jumped into it pushed orlando and said quit picking on him you know quit picking yeah. on the little the little kid or whatever and orlando surprisingly backed down so right. it, it was this weird thing and then this guy became a fast friend of mine and i ended <laughs> up in his wedding Orlando? No, no, or the, this, little the little kid, the little kid uh, who, who I will not name. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he never forgot me standing up for him getting bullied, and then we became right. friends. And then, yeah, oh, that's cool. That's pretty cool. But yeah, but yeah. so so then the the funny part about the rest of that story is I started feeling, I started feeling myself at that point. Right. I was like, oh. Oh, I'm I'm standing up for the little guy, right? So then fast forward a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever, and I'm in the locker room and you know, I'm surrounded by, you know, all the guys in the locker room, and someone grabbed my other friend's deodorant. He started using it, and my my other friend was saying, Hey, let me get it back. And the guy's like, Hold on, hold on. And then I, I stood up and I was like, give it back to him, right? So then right. I get on, I get mad. Uh -huh. And then yeah. that guy turned to me and he was like, what'd you say to me? And then all of a sudden everybody got quiet right. and all his friends <laughs> gathered around and he said, what did you say to me? And at that point I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in trouble here. Like I'm getting, right. <laughs> I'm getting ready right. to get beat up. So right. <laughs> I ended up backing down like, oh, I was just asking if you could please, you know, maybe hand his deodorant back. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh my god! Discretion. You got to know when to when to go for it and when to fold them. Well, but so so here's the thing though: if if you could protect your kids from those bad experiences, why wouldn't you? Yes, exactly. you know what I mean. So this and this yeah. goes to you know that other uh, we Angie and I have talked about you know the vaccine question about whether or not you want to get your kids vaccinated for for all the things you can get them vaccinated for. And when we were sitting down with a doctor, when our kids were younger, they were asking about, you know, chicken pox. I said, do you want the chicken pox vaccine? Yeah. My knee jerk reaction was no, they, you know, we don't need that. Um, we had chicken it's pox. It's not a big deal. It's not a big yeah. deal. And then, and then when we started talking more about it in there, there in the doctor's office, Angie and I, I thought, why would we want our kids to get the chicken pox? <laughs> right. That was horrible. You know? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a big deal in hindsight, flippantly, when you just kind of you know, you're you're in conversation talking. Well, everyone had it. No, but it it sucked to get yeah. it. So yeah, give them the shot and let's not get it. Yeah. What's the point of having them tough out this miserable experience? You what you, what you do, and it's kind of you talk about this when you're dealing with faith and with religion. You say that you know you go through suffering and come out on the other side better for it because you learn something out of it, right? You learn something through that trial, through that valley experience. But it doesn't mean you seek out those experiences and that's what kind of the super pious people would, would kind of take pride in the fact that they're suffering and that yeah i agree with you that doesn't really make sense i think you nailed it i think we are going to encounter 
difficulties. It's the the nature, of course, the nature of this existence. Yeah. Things are not always going to be easy. And we can learn from other people's difficulties. So we don't have to put ourselves through the same exact, you know, tough times in order to learn these lessons. We can watch and learn and read and learn and have discussions and learn. Yeah, we should. Right. So, so then when we encounter them, we'll be, we'll have some kind of preparation. Right. So I think that would be the argument. Like how, how, how are you going to know to, to be able to deal with these other difficult situations if you don't go through something similar um, yourself, you know, before, right. before you get to these worst case scenarios. Um, and I think the argument is, is you say, Hey, I can, I can learn from reading and learn lessons from history without having to repeat them. Right. Exactly. Right. It's like the people that have this amazing testimony of turning around uh, a, a drug addled life and, you know, becoming uh, righteous followers of, Jesus and they had this amazing testimony, but they would, you know, it's not like they would trade what they went through for what my childhood and heartbeat. Yes. I think there's a balance and kind of when we're talking about our kids and how tough the kids are, it's probably good to try to find some situations where you take your hands off and let them, let them deal with things on their own sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that was what was good. I was going to tell the story about when we, we, we had that property in Amelia County and there's no cell service up there. And so it did kind of throw us back. We didn't really have electricity. We didn't have a running water or anything like that. So we built a little outhouse. One time we were up there and uh, we met another guy and his son who was a seventh or eighth grader. And Ava was like 10th grade at the time and Devin was ninth grade. And they just headed off into the woods to go hang out. And so it's cool. They're going to go have fun and go hike and go down to the creek. And probably like an hour, hour and a half passed, and we hadn't heard anything from them. So we just started yelling at the top of our lungs, and I walked down the creek. <laughs> wait, and wait, we, yelling at the top of your lungs? Yeah, well, because you can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We split up. You can hear it echoing in the hills. So you got a little bit. Y'all got a little, little concerned. We just wanted to hear a little something back from them and nothing like no and you can cover a lot of area with the yelling at the top of your lungs and honking the horn of the car right right so then leanne's like leanne's like brian i'm starting to get a little worried it's like we need to we need to find them we don't really really know that kid that they went off with and i was like oh no they'll be fine they'll be fine let me go down this way so i went down some (laughs) other way i drove down the street i was honking the horn yelling out the window came back and all the whole time, I'm thinking she had planted the seed in my head. All right. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they, what happened to them? <laughs> and I get back, and Leanne's like, "Didn't that kid have a knife? I think oh. he had a big old knife." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I think he had a knife, but he was just, you know, in, in rural areas they have knives and stuff." Right. So yeah, we're just spinning out of control. Leanne says, "What if they got?" There's all this sex trafficking stuff going on. <laughs> that kid, she says, she says that kid is probably working with his dad. No, no. And they combine together. They and they pull the. Did you see that white van? She starts talking about stuff. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and on the face of it, I'm like, this is just crazy. And so I'm telling her, ah, this, yeah, this, no, this is ridiculous. But in the back so of your every, mind. Yes. Every minute that passes, I'm like, oh my. God. There's a possibility. And then I'm like, well, Ava, they took karate. They take care of themselves. You know, <laughs> tell myself some picture of them like brawling with each other in the woods, backing <laughs> each other up. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. So I, it was probably at least two hours. So we probably spent a half hour yelling and screaming and, and looking for them and no cell service. Mm. I think we tried our cell phones and no cell service. And then uh, we called the dad. He came back. He started doing his little whistle. <laughs> <laughs> every every old country dude has a whistle. <laughs> exactly. And then he five minutes or so. Then we heard his son reply back to it. And the 
feeling of relief. <laughs> you're basically almost at a point of like hysteria. Oh no. Like, you know, and I know that Leanne was already there. Right. And I was getting there and then to hear that sound of them on their way back and being okay. That's just an amazing feeling. That's so that's funny. The funniest part about that story to me is just imagining the kids having such a good time hanging out with this this guy. <laughs> yeah. But then it was it was also funny when I was asking Ava about it. She, yeah, she was like, "Yeah, man, he is he is real country, you know." And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had this really thick accent, and he was just traipsing through the woods, no care about ticks or you know anything else. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's two hours away and it's another world. It's another world. There is a weirdness though, when you're used to being connected to someone 24 seven, and then you don't have that lifeline. I I know even for our kids going back to school these past couple of weeks and them not being at home, they were at home for a year essentially throughout this, you know, throughout the coronavirus and them being away for a few hours in the day without access to what's it's just a little it's weird you know you're just used to being connected i feel like it's healthy but it definitely the negatives yeah it feels like there's more positives than negatives but definitely they're in a a safe environment i guess is what i'm um, i feel but at the same time we they were around us for so long you know right right yeah that becomes like the new normal right yeah yeah, that's funny though. Oh, and there's at some point where you have to also trust your kids to to you know be able to react in a situation, you know, these potentially challenging situations. Yeah. We and we have conversations like that with them. We try to prep them for things without making them too scared of of getting out there, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you we, can you can really scare the heck out of your kids talking about stranger danger. Yes. Yeah, then everybody's everybody's a threat, and then you're living in fear all the time. Exactly. We did some karate with our kids when they were younger, and a lot of it was focused on self defense. It was doing katas and practicing, you know, learning the moves and the forms, and then also if somebody grabs you or does something, here's the things you could do. A lot of kicking in the groin. That was one. <laughs> we we've taught our kids that, and we didn't even pay for lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. good point. That's probably something we could have talked about ourselves. <laughs> the the bad part though is when they keep wanting to practice on me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we're well, gonna... when, they're, when they're two years old and their head is just right at that level. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah, they, it's not even intentional practice. <laughs> yeah, we we um recently Macy has been talking about wanting to take jujitsu, and I keep encouraging her that that would be fun self-defense stuff yeah i think wrap somebody up and choke them out you know a lot grappling exactly in jujitsu that's definitely useful so so something that angie and i i don't know why it came up maybe i saw i saw one of these outside and it got us thinking but um I, i read an article recently about this girl in oregon who um established a relationship with crows. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. about this girl, but mm-hmm. over the course of a handful of years, she ended up with a whole case of trinkets that these crows had brought her. Oh, and what wow. she what she found and what her and her mom um ended up, you know, creating a record of in videos and and documentation and all kinds of stuff is that these crows, once they realized they were getting fed, consistently by this little girl started bringing her little gifts and treasures. Oh, that's awesome. I've yeah. heard crows are smart. Apparently crows are relatively. Apparently they're really smart, but it started back. Her name is, um, let's see. Her name is Gabby Mann, And it started back in 2011. So I think this is kind of an old article, but I, I think we saw some crows in it and it got me thinking about it. And then I, I found this other article that I thought was interesting. And this is out of um, out of Anchorage, Alaska. 
and the article title reads, Ravens Stealing Groceries from Alaska Costco. And then in quotes, they've got a whole system there, end quote. <laughs> so the Ravens are working together. <clears throat> They're working together. So this is funny, right? So then it documents all these experiences of these Costco shoppers who are getting assaulted by these crows as they're coming out. And this guy said that he was loading his groceries into his car and one pack of steaks fell out of his cart. And he said upon arriving home, he realized that one of their filet mignon steaks of the four pack was gone. And he said, the guy's quote was, oh my God, after I picked up that pack of steaks, I saw a raven in the parking lot with a steak in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he realized it had flown away with a steak. This other lady said that she lost an entire package of short ribs. Dang, said, they know what's up, too. They go, <laughs> they're not taking the bag of, uh, you know, Costco Cheetos. They're yeah. going this guy, this other guy says they know what they're doing. And he lost a single short rib to the birds too. He said, yeah. they're so fat. I think they've got a system there. <laughs> <laughs> now, if they came swooping down and like starved somebody, made them drop something, you know, and then the other one came in from the side and stole it. Right, right. Then it's a yeah. whole coordinated effort. Coordinated well, yeah. Well, I you know, it reminds me of being at the beach with the seagulls. Seagulls are brutal at the beach, man. You'll you'll hold like, you know, there's all these videos that you can find where people have like a bag of chips and then they like are you know, they look back at their towel where their other food is and as they look back, you know, another bird from the other side swoops in and grabs their bag of chips out of their hands. You know, there's all yes. these you know, seag seagulls get get vicious. But I think the cool thing is with these crows and this is what Angie was talking about. She was like, hey, I want to go start feeding the crows, see if they'll bring us some stuff. You know, right. like, how cool is that, right? And what if you get something really valuable? I know. You end up with somebody's ring, wedding ring. Yeah, somebody lost something that you and you can you go pawn it. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is is now with the internet though, that there is no excuse for that because you can get online in your local area and post like, hey, I found somebody's you know, wedding ring with this one carrot die, you know, I mean, you're yeah, not gonna, doesn't make sense to, to try to go make money on that when you could probably find the owner. <laughs> so a lot of people think that animals are really smart, like especially your pets, but even some of these other, you know, birds and dolphins and things like that. But a lot of it is just instinct, right? It's right. a, it's the Pavlovian thing where they get a reward. And so then they go and do that thing to get that reward. Well, so then it made me wonder how much different are we than that? Right. Like, can you make the case that even the most sophisticated things that mankind has done, uh, that it's really just a function of our need to survive and, you know, the animal kingdom. And yeah. probably the one thing that maybe would make would be a really good argument against that is art. All right. forms of artwork and create the, the w way that we can create. That's one thing that sets us apart and kind of our self-awareness. But that's something I think about a lot. Davin, Davin was thinking about that recently and asking me about like what consciousness is and how, because I, I would not make the case that a crow has the same level of consciousness that we do. He's right. The crow is responding mostly to stimuli. Yes. Which and we do a lot. That's right. That's right. But, uh, and there's a, I think there's a whole line of reasoning and philosophy out there about um, free will and mm -hmm. either lack thereof or, or do, you know, do we have it? There's an argument. And I've heard some compelling arguments and there is some scientific studies and I can't cite them right now, but I remember hearing or reading about them that talk about, um, some brain activity that happens before you even make a decision, before you're even conscious of making that decision. And it almost trying to make the case that you're, you're pre, these things are kind of predetermined for pre-wired, pre-wired. Right. And, you know, maybe it's based on your experiences and, you know, this nature and nurture that you had, but almost as if you don't have ultimate control over 
those things that are going to happen to you, they're just going to happen. Right. Um, and it comes into play too. We talk about relationships and first, like our kids are now, well, first one's married and looking at dating and things like that. And you can make the case that it's just a bunch of chemicals in your brain. Right. And, and so this is where I land on it. For me, it doesn't matter because my perception is that I am making choices. So regardless right. of, of whether or not it, you could, you know, make a scientific case that, uh, no, actually you, you're going to do exactly the things that you're doing and there's no other way, there's no way around it. Um, and you, you really don't have a choice, even though you think you, it doesn't matter because I think I do. <laughs> so, so uh, the way I'm going to be impacted, um, believing that I have, you know, free will. You're going to take responsibility for your choices. I guess maybe a danger of the other way of thinking is that you, it's kind of a little more hopeless because you don't have an opportunity to change things because it's just already written in stone. Right. Well, it, it, it's going to be my reality. This this perception that I have will be my reality. And so, so it almost doesn't matter uh, for right. me whether or not truly I do or truly I don't. <laughs> I, I, like the, I like the ideal of love being something more substantial than just chemicals. Like that there's some type of power in um, humanity's ability to love each other and the love that we have for our kids like the story I told earlier that when your kids are in danger, that's a, that, but then you could also make the case that that's survival. That's human survival. But, uh, breaking it down to such a naturalistic level, it, it like it loses meaning. Yeah. So I prefer to view it as something more powerful than that. Right. And that, that can go for religion as well. So you're talking about love, but we could easily substitute Christianity or religion or belief in, you know, something beyond us, a force or power beyond us. Right. And I think that there are some arguments to be made that believing in those things can be very beneficial for you and yeah. also beneficial for others, depending on what, you know, kind of principles and ideals you end up embracing based off of those beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of harm over the years that's done in the name of religion. But most religions, when you look at the actual core teachings, there's positives there. And so, so Angie and I often have conversations about the supernatural. She she has um, a tendency to more easily believe in the supernatural or be interested in the supernatural. Right. Our kids, like, they'll often watch something scary and then be scared to go to sleep. And I have such a hard time with that because there's nothing right. of substance to it. Right? right. So I just get mad. I'm going to go to sleep. And Angela, so do you think they're actually are intentionally manipulating it? Or do you think they're actually scared or maybe both? Yeah. I think that they're actually scared. Uh, oh, okay. And, but, and so Angie has a little bit more understanding for it. Right. Um, but, they, you know, then they love ghost stories and things like that. And um, but at the same time, I, I love the idea of the force of good and love being bigger than us. When yes. when I when I limit it to me, it, it doesn't feel as powerful. It doesn't feel as special. It doesn't feel as, as if it could have the impact that. I feel it does and that I feel it can, can continue to have. Yes. And I think you can, we experience it that way in its purest form that, that love spirituality, um, that it has a sense of the eternal and the divine to it when we experience it in that way. And so, and, and it's a, a positive in that sense. Right. So why try to rationalize it away? I'm kind of like you, I, I would tend to, dismiss the supernatural and and rationalize everything yeah but i think we miss out on a part of uh, the human experience that it, that's good for us yeah how, how do we get to this talking about crows <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the another story i found that i thought was interesting and this starts popping up this time of year uh, it was a story out of uh, New Mexico, and it, it's this guy came, you know, out of a store. He had been shopping, and there were 
um, the headline says 15,000 bees in his car. I saw that headline. So I guess it's the time of year for swarms, right? So they ended up with a swarm there. So somebody ended up with a, a beehive. That oh, it hurts me to see people spraying those sometimes. I've seen, you know, at, at baseball games and things like that. They just get out there with a giant container of pesticides and kill them. That's Do you like find that. that the swarm hives are good hives to have? The swarm hives are very, they build up really fast at first. And so like you could put them in a new box with just a little bit of foundation and they build it all out. The queen is like laying eggs like crazy and they're super strong. Uh, but then they, t they tend to be more aggressive when you're working with them. And I think, I, I don't know if I have really cataloged this, but I think they're more likely to swarm again. That's my perception. I mean, it makes sense if that's in the DNA of that yeah. hive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I caught a swarm kind of late in the season and then just got a ton of honey from it because they built up so quickly. Nice. And you have to kind of regulate whether or not they're building, you know, queen cells. Exactly. I yeah, get in there and check them. Yeah. And did, did those hives survive the winter? I think that's the thing we've struggled with whenever we've had beehives. Yeah. At the time that I remember that I'm thinking of, they had a ton of queen cells, which means they were looking at swarming again. And I took those out and made a bunch of new hives with them. And then basically none of them survived. Hmm. You think you spread them too thin? Yeah. I, my thought at the time was that uh, just in the suburban area that we're in, uh, we, we had too many bees. Mm. But I, I wonder too if maybe they swarmed again. They were just too aggressive and they didn't last. I, I, I don't know. This last year, though, I took a very high management approach to our beehives and they did really well. Nice. I treated them for mites. I fed them. Leanna, I fed them and checked them over the winter and they did a lot better. What's the deal with honeybees needing so much maintenance? <laughs> what, what do they do in the wild? I guess they just keep swarming. So if a hive dives off, it's not a big deal. They, they already spread themselves, you know, repopulated the two or three yeah. times over. Yeah. And we put them in a little bit of a natural environment and take a lot of the honey. That's another issue. So, but, but part of what I've done is try not to take as much so mm. they, to help them out. Yeah. Nice. But, but I wonder why a swarm would go into a, I guess if you go under the hood or something, or if his windows were down, that well, this, would make sense. This car looked like a piece of work, man. Like it was, <laughs> it was covered. <laughs> dude, it was messy. You know, it looked rough. It was a rough vehicle. So I don't know. They probably all kinds of nooks and crannies. And <laughs> yeah. It has all kinds stuff. of food. Yeah. Soda cans. Yeah. It was pretty gross. They were living large. <laughs> the <jackpot>. <laughs> <laughs> there, hey, there was a couple other funny ones though. You should check out. There's this article that came out again this week about, um, and, and there's a video from a school bus where a deer ends up going through the front pane of the school bus window, lands oh. on a kid in the front seat who was sleeping. So it was earlier in the morning. And right. then the bus driver stops the bus, opens up the door, and the deer runs out of the bus. Oh, that's... <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> we have so many deer in our town where we live. There are so many deer. And so I, I will adjust how I go home depending on the time of day. If yeah. it's if it's getting toward the afternoon evening, I won't take back roads. I'll take you know the the interstate freeway basically right. to to my house. But otherwise, I can get home a little quicker if I go back roads. But I won't do it in the evening because there's so many deer, and I'll I'll you know there's so many times I've you know been behind a car that that has hit them. I've had them run out in front of me. Yeah, how, how'd you like to be that kid on the bus though? I know it was you're funny. Just, you're just chilling, sleeping. <laughs> Prep for school. That's we talk about a rude awakening. The deer, the deer was so he had his head down, and the deer starts flopping around on his back, and he didn't even move. He just stayed there. And then the article says, you know, that uh, he said, uh, "This is his quote. I was really confused because I was trying to sleep, and I woke up to something on my back. I realized it was a deer, and was just very confused because I'd never seen a deer actually jump through the windshield and then land." <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, usually they bounce off. <laughs> it was funny you said jump through the windshield and actually are, and then, you know, I've seen them jump through the windshield, but they never land it. This deer, <laughs> right. yeah. this deer yeah, he got a 9.5 and stuck <laughs> his landing. <laughs> it's just like a middle schooler quote, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, I like these kind of you know off the beaten path news stories and it's nice that a lot of them have video now man everyone's got their camera out trying to Everybody's find got the camera next out. viral video there's no doubt a, a few times i think i wish i would have my camera still not instinct to me to pull pull out the camera and videotape something yeah you know where it's really powerful is when someone's being rude to you or being unkind if you bring that camera out <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> but, that's a great way to escalate things. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I do it to Angie all the time when we're arguing. <laughs> hey, when your kids are throwing Say it a again. Oh, kids dude, are throwing yes. a fit, pull it out, yeah, show it back to them. This is how you're acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did that a couple of times. Were you all big on trying to do those um you know, the things that they do to kids now, I don't know if you've seen them, but they, there's this one challenge where you put, you know, a bunch of candy in front of your little kids and you, you start recording and then you mm -hmm. say, Hey, don't eat the food. I'm going to walk out of the room. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. But you know, you have your two, three-year-old there and they're sitting in front of that candy and they just can't help themselves. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes it's like two or two or three little kids there and their brothers and sisters and stuff. And they're looking at yeah. each other. And then one of them <laughs> starts to touch, you know, we watched one last night where a kid put a whole a handful of gummy bears in his mouth and then the mom comes back in he spits them all back out on the table <laughs> did you did you do something like that with your kids i don't know, I think some of that's kind of cruel yeah yeah no we didn't but there's that famous experiment where if they they didn't eat the marshmallow they get another marshmallow that's right yeah all right and that's they it. did that with an animal i don't know if it was a crow uh or something but i read a story about that recently where they're like actually these animals are pretty smart because they knew to wait uh, and, and that they would get a reward. They learned that reward mechanism over time. And then, of course, the headline of the article is like, "Monkeys are as smart as humans now." Uh, yeah, animals are. This animal is as smart as a five-year-old. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we did things like that, but we didn't record it. Like our kids, it was a little bit before the cell phone recording age, so we would play pranks on, like April Fools. Mm -hmm. April Fool. I haven't done April Fool stuff. The last couple of years, I'm gonna have to think up some big one to do next year. Well, so I we love, do little things for April Fools to to the kids that were just mean. I well, I I really like the jump scares. Yes, and the only person in our household that appreciates it is Rain. Um, <laughs> but I've gotten him to the point. I've escalated it to the point where it becomes like a primal scream. And that, yeah. at that point, <laughs> taking it too far. <laughs> And we'll do that around here. So Ava has a video she's going to post before too much longer of all of the times that she scared Leanne. Her mom. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Because she preps it. She gets the video camera out and she's like, oh my God, her hair, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I did one yesterday. We were playing uh, Red Attack Cat. And what you do is when you want to end the round, you tap the table and say Red Attack Cat. And so we were playing. So I played my card and I just hit the table as hard as I could. And <laughs> At the top of my lungs. <laughs> and Leanne looked at me right in the eyes and just screamed for like five seconds. <laughs> that's messed up. It's so funny. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have been rolling tape. Well, that's that. it. It's only as good as the reaction. I don't imagine Leanne's reactions are all that exaggerated most of the time. Are they? Yeah. Oh, when really? you, you get it really good. Yeah. Yeah. And Davin laughed so hard, and he's like, "Mom, that was like a horror movie scream, <laughs> like something bad." <laughs> and you know, you know that whole drawn out, right. know, loud scream. Yeah, that's it came it from some deep place of terror. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. So I'll have rain, at like you know, especially at night. He'll, hey, can we go down and get some water? I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we're into this bedtime routine, like 45 minutes to an hour. I'm gonna get something out of it. So yeah, I'm gonna go down with you. And then I start flipping the lights out. He's like, Dad, Dad, stop! And then I will flip all the lights out and get really yeah. still. And yeah. then he's like, Dad, Dad. And <laughs> 
That's so wrong. <laughs> hey, but you're teaching him toughness. That's right. He's every. <laughs> That's why we got to do these types of things. He needs to know that the one person in his life that gives him the most stability <laughs> and the blink of an eye just might turn on him. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're like child psychologists listening to this. <laughs> I do the same thing though, and I would chase the kids around the house, turning lights, turning them off, turning them off like running around the house. <laughs> oh my gosh! They're like, stop! Uh, yeah, and then the, the unfortunately, like the stereotypically it comes back and bites in the butt later when you're like all right time for time for sleep (laughs) there's their noise did you hear a noise (laughs) yeah so another good way to scare to scare someone is to come at them from an angle that's unexpected Mm. so like if you could be up high like where you're going with this yeah, <laughs> or, or lay on the ground. Yeah, they're walking out of a room. Yeah, and, and they're not expecting it. So yeah, you could use that next time. That's where the whole like lying under the bed and then reaching out and grabbing their leg <laughs> as they walk by. Which I actually have done. <laughs> so here's what's funny when too. They older, when they were older, but 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 see, <clears throat> I like when I sleep, I'll leave my leg, my feet out of the sheets. If I if I'm too hot, I don't like my for some reason my feet yeah. are hot. I don't like okay. it, but I like the weight of the a sheet or a blanket on on me at some. Level. You have a weighted blanket? No, but I've heard those are pretty cool. I should probably look into it. Yeah, Gavin got one. He likes it. He, yeah, but well, but Angie can't have her feet out because of the foot monster the foot or what? I, I'm like, what? the foot snatching pandemic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well known. That's the biggest. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. You're seriously like there's something in you that's scared that something's going to grab your feet. So I'll have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many times have you taken advantage of that? Uh, I can't do. Oh. She'll get so angry. It's not even worth it. Yeah. At some point. some point it's not worth it. But the other, you know, Macy a little bit of a rain for sure. He'll, he gets a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> Times. Well, what you think, man? Yeah, it's good stuff. Wrap it up. We can wrap it up. We can wrap it up. All right. Cool, cool man. man. All right, see you. Later. Yep.